0: The Secret Cabinet Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Secret Cabinet titled, What's That Smell? A Short History of Stink. As the Buddha recently heard in a conference, Not everything was bad before the Reformation. Because the followers of Luther didn't just throw out the old leaders and popes and dust off 1500 years of forgotten history, but they also brought something back to the church rooms, which was the stink. Because with with the new liturgy, the frankincense disappeared. Already, Thomas of Aquinas described the spiritual nature of the smoking incense, but also did not fail to mention that it also served the purpose of covering the smell of the churchgoers themselves, which he confessed could be quite disgusting. In the unheated cathedrals, the congregation would have to scoot together a little closer in the colder times of the year, which was quite noticeable in the unventilated rooms, at least olfactorily. Add to that the smell of the decomposing bodies in the crypts and the graveyards often surrounding the church, which all that I'm sure didn't help. Protestants came up with the idea to when they built new churches, unlike the Gothic churches of yore, they made it so that the windows could be opened. And also start wearing these like balls around their necks, filled with things of pleasant smells and German visum apples. The belief also existed that loud noises like firing a cannon might disperse the smell, Uh, hopefully not indoors. But the regular washing of clothes and, and then also the body, that was kind of a later development. Here and there, the belief did persist that washing would somehow weakens your strength to fight off disease. Since obviously the water would, through the pores, be soaked up into the body, and would obviously disturb the four humors. You know, blood, phlegm, yellow, and black bile. But on the other hand, people were kind of used to the smell because one always smelled that way. And in fact, after about 15 minutes of a constant smell people no longer really notice, your brain just shuts it off. But that many tightly packed smelly people was a challenge even for the most hardcore Protestants. Today, our whole world is deodorized. Everything from washing machines, toilets, office space and bedrooms all have their own marketed deodorizers. A buddy of mine recently bought a deodorizer for under the bed. But sometimes, on warmer days when packed in, let's say, public transport, one does still wish for a mobile air freshener, or maybe more like a gas mask and oxygen, because overperfumated people's smell still lingers for minutes after they've left. But the smell landscape of history is definitely different than what we're used to today. In comparison to our animal fellow inhabitants, we've deviated quite a bit on the natural state of what we can smell. And yet still, smell plays an important role in the prehistoric fight for survival. Not only could our little noses detect potential eating opportunities or even warn us from dangerous predators, but our sniffers would also let us know if some food had gone bad or if something might be the source of a disease, like uh, keeping us away from our own feces. Another thing still easily detected is fire. One single lint match and our amygdala starts firing off the alarms because there could be a danger of fire nearby. And not least of which, smell plays a role in the selection of a partner, and even sexual attraction. Napoleon wrote to Josephine, I'm about to come home, don't wash yourself. But an individual's smell fingerprint, if you will, also depends heavily on their cultural background, and of course the epoch in history. Because for some, and up until recently, the smell of fecal matter might have even been considered somehow exciting, or at least healing. In the 19th century, the doctor and also social reformer Alexandre pare Chalet, noted that the strutting health of the Parisian sewer workers and gutter cleaners, and he believed that constantly, daily being surrounded by those strong smells is what did that. Furthermore, he was able to show three swoon-prone women, three women prone to fainting, that were healed through the smell of toilets. Quote, their... Well-fed, appearance, and healthy color should be emphasized. But already in the 17th century, our doctor wasn't alone because in London, as a way to stop the plague, they thought it would be a good idea to open the sewage pits and let the smell of feces clear the air. And those exact same intentions are what the inhabitants of Madrid had in 1760 in the regularly spreading of manure in the streets to encourage the public health through the smell. In other places, and especially in the previous centuries, one wouldn't have even had to go to the trouble. Unlike in Rome, even in ancient days where there was plenty of water for rinsing the streets, this was replaced in the Middle Ages with dark corners and the walls. Only the more well-to-do inhabitants, as well as cloisters and monasteries, had some sort of latrine. The simpler folk simply dumped the contents of their bedpans into the streets, which is the background of the saying used in Great Britain, garde lou, which is, comes from the French warning water or watch out water, is supposedly where the British get their word loo for toilet. Add on to all of this the animals that ran around freely in the streets and the often missing garbage disposal service. Even Martin Luther according to some of the many conversations he'd have around the table, that his brother-in-law didn't just carry him on his shoulders on the way to school because it was so steep. Now and then, efforts were made to clear the streets, like in Cologne, who tried to start a garbage disposal service. This kind of had mixed results. One complaint from 1579 of the Cologne City Council shows that they thought all the garbage around their houses made it very unclean. And one complaint in Constance from a neighbor who had lit a burning prophet in his front yard. And no, not that prophet, but in fact he had set afire a profat, a latrine, really, which his neighbor complained about. And the inhabitants had the occasional job of clearing the ditches that drained off into the Lake Constance because those drainage ditches just became clogged and clogged over time. Some cities did install gutters on the streets to get rid of the worst of the worst, Pragung am Preisgau still has these till today. The very picturesque and in the summer seem to serve no purpose other than to cool one's feet. Let us forget their original purpose. But towards the end of the 18th century, people really started to think of themselves as individuals more and more in a way. And as one started to notice how the smell of oneself, and it kind of became more and more conscious, so also grew the intolerance of the smell of others. As Alan Corbin wrote in his book about the history of smell, he basically wrote that as people became more autonomous or or the realization of themselves became more conscious, then also the smell of others became more and more seen as a bodily attack, a sort of encroachment on your one's own personal sphere or personal space. And this is then what became... New rules of etiquette. For instance, if one is passing another by who is in that moment relieving themselves, simply keep on walking and take no note. And that's the time when we also get the laws of all public displays of uh, relieving oneself had to be done outside of the eyes of others, it had to be done in privacy. And in the laws was written down, one had to go seek a good place for this not just, uh, you know, defecate in public. And over were the days when you had these long benches, like in Versailles, where people just sat down together, without having to even stop or pause the social conversation happening. But what came, on the other hand, was the strange time of the, what's called in German, an Abtrittanbieter, one which offers to carry the refuse away. One young traveler, Johann Christoph Sachse, who happened to be spending time in Hamburg in 1777. He heard a woman call Vildivat Marken. and before he could understand what was happening, she threw a coat around him and handed him a bucket, the smell of which gave away its contents. He jumped in surprise and ran away under the laughing crowd behind him. He was then in on the joke and also laughed when he found out that further women and also men do this in Hamburg just handing forlorn-looking people on the streets a bucket of their refuse. A very strange behavior was noted in the Frankfurter Exhibit 1836 or 1839, when a man observed women walking around, kind of with like an oxen yoke with two buckets hanging off of each shoulder, and a long cloak around all of that, kind of yelling, (laughs) does somebody want one or want to? And then young men or, or the, the crowd, someone in the crowd, ducking underneath the cover with one of the buckets. And that was, yeah, that was your porta-potty in the 19th century. In Wien, of course, they had the Kaiser-König privileged so-called retiraden, retirades. They also kind of carried a portable bucket around, mostly staunch women, and walked around the, the market squares of the town. The end of the trade kind of came when people started to build public toilets or public facilities uh, like in Berlin in 1863 with the breathtaking amount of two toilets in the whole city and even those two were only built supposedly because of the visiting Queen Victoria was disgusted from all the men urinating in public right on the streets. Queen Victoria herself was a little ahead of the times when it comes to toilet hygiene. She is supposed to have had the first flushing toilet in the modern sense, where the disposal drain has a kink in it, which makes it odoriferously neutral. But after the death of her husband Albert, who had died from complications of typhus, she challenged the public sanitary conditions in Berlin. By 1876, however, there was 58 pissoirs, which were named after the French emperor Vespasian, the Vespasians. That's what a public toilet was called in Berlin. These were out of wrought iron and mobile to be able to set them up and tear them down from place to place because, and this didn't happen infrequently, when the uh, local inhabitants around them would start complaining of the smell. And in modern times, in certain circles, because of the smell avoidance of fecal matter, non-lethal weapons of this type have been considered. And so already the French resistance in the Second World War created such a odorous creation with the name who, me, and indeed research went into making the smelliest stink bomb. And also scientists, under the leadership of a Pamela Dalton, they developed something called US government standard malodor, and being researched with the same efficiency of modern air fresheners and deodorizers. Another five substances were developed, which put together are known as the stench soup, which, reaching across borders and cultures, can be called the worst smell known to man. And speaking of smells, what smells so burnt? Oh, my dinner. The Secret Cabinet is by Budla, who does the original in German. I'm the humble translator, Travis Dow. Come check out my other shows on podcastnik.com. That's podcastnik.com. And we just have we have an awesome Emperor Norton shirt uh, created by the design's created by a graphic designer uh, that turned out really, really cool. So come check out. There's a secret cabinet T-shirt, and there's links to the website, uh, links in the website. So come, come follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, all that's linked to on podcastnik.com, podcast and ik.com, and we're an Agora Podcast Network member. And this month, the podcast of the month is our own Agora feed where we talk about or where we interview the podcasters and get some behind the scenes. And that also, it's history podcasters interviewing inter- history podcasters. So that turns into really uh, great stuff and you get to meet some of the other members of Agora. So go check that out at agorapodcastnetwork.com and thanks so much for listening. Oh Himmel, mein Abendessen. Yeah, entschuldigt mich kurz. wie konnten das passieren? Oh, alles angebrannt. Nein. Alles. Thank you.